Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> podcast Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. There are like emerging technologies out there, but what I can see in the Philippines is that uh, given you know the, the right opportunity, uh, we we have a very short learning curve, and of course we can compete globally. So in our case, we're not just competing with the Philippines, but also we're competing with other like tech companies in, in, in the world. We're in they're doing similar, but of course we try to advance our, ourselves to the next level. So similarly here in the Philippines, I see a lot of like uh, potential in terms of the knowledge base. But of course, having that in the right direction and then of course, harnessing that and of course, try to uh, develop it more later on. And hello, good evening and welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on this lovely Tuesday holiday evening as I interview and here in the RJ Ledesma podcast, we interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about doing business, what are their success secrets, how they have innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal? Now, if there is a business personality out there or an entrepreneur that you would like me to interview on the podcast, please let me know. Drop me a message. We also are live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas TV. And before we start, again, thank you to all the listeners of the RJ Ledesma podcast. We are ranked right now at top four among the Apple podcasts for entrepreneurship here in the Philippines. And I don't know how this happened, but we are ranked 23rd in Japan for entrepreneurship as well uh, for the RJ Ledesma podcast. So thanks so much for listening. Please share the podcast with more people who want to learn how the country's pioneering business personalities think about business and entrepreneurship. Now, uh, for tonight's podcast, I'm pretty excited. Uh, last week, I was the uh, host and moderator for a very special uh, Ignite Tech Shake uh, live wire competition. Now, uh, this is the first time that Shell ever held their live wire, Shell live wire competition here in the Philippines uh, for tech startups. And we have our first ever grand winner here on the show, which is Nanotronics. Now, Nanotronics is a proudly Philippine-based technology startup that produces bio-based nanomaterials called cellulose nanocrystals made from indigenous plants to help sustainably reduce plastic waste. Now, I won't pretend I understand all the technology or all the science that went into that, but my next guest will explain to you in a very layman's way what this technology, how, what this technology does and how it is actually helping the environment at the same time while solving a pain point. 
I'm very happy to be sitting down here right now with scientist and CEO of Nanotronics, Dr. Jerome Palaganas. Dr. Jerome, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, RJ. Uh, good evening to the listeners. Uh, good evening to everyone watching over there, especially for the FB Live, Homo, and the other network. So thank you for having me. Thanks again for joining us, Dr. Jerome. And again, uh, I'd like to thank our good friends from Tech Shake and Ignite. Uh, Artie Lopez is over there right now. Our friends from Dentsu. Uh, TJ, uh, if you're listening here right now, thanks so much for helping me get Dr. Jerome here in the show. Uh, Dr. Jerome, before we proceed, tell us a bit more. What a big deal it was for you to win in the Shell, li Shell Live Wire competition. Why was it such an important competition for you two to win? Uh the Shell Live Wire, actually, since as you have mentioned, it's the first in the Philippines, and therefore uh, it would be like historical for us. One, it's to to join the event, and then second, and of course, it's you know to become like a partner with the Shell ecosystem, and third, it's to win the event also. So it's actually uh, it's an icing on the cake of uh, winning the event or winning the Shell Live Wire uh, pitch best competition, but more so we, we have actually learned so much. Uh, having been accelerated into the Shell Live Wire program, uh, Ignite PH. Well, what I understand from the, the Shell Live Wire program, you'll be part of the Shell ecosystem, which means that not only did you win, but they're going to try to integrate your products into, into Shell, Shell products. Is that right? Yes, that's correct, RJ. Actually, well, we made a proposal uh, with Shell that uh, we will be like integrating into four uh, of their uh, ecosystem. So we have studied the ecosystem of Shell, not just uh, Shell per se, but also their eco partners and other partners as well in their total value chain. So from there, we have proposed to Shell that uh, we can actually enter into four of those main points and then have our products integrated and of course use in the entire ecosystem such that it will have an impact to not just Shell, but also to the environment, but also to the community. Uh, just a question for many people out there. They're also from the startup communities here. Now they're listening right now. They want to make pitches. They want to get into the same competitions like yourself. Uh, when they do, did you actually apply for this one or did Shell approach you to be part of the Shell Livewire program? Uh, I applied for this one uh, actually with uh, Ignite PH since Ignite has this uh, annual competition. And from there, uh, since our proposition or actually our startup is pretty unique, so uh, they look at the, you know, the, the entire lineup and then saw that there is an opportunity for us to get into the Shell Libor, you know, uh, start, startup competition. Yes. Okay. And, and, you know, also for the people listening uh, right now, um, you, you've learned a lot. I mean, this is the first uh, pitching competition that you've done. But, but the, the way that I, I heard it when you were speaking, it didn't seem like it was your first time. You knew exactly how to, how to pitch and how to keep it within a, uh, the correct time frame. Yes, that's correct, Ajay. Actually, I've, uh, I've done uh, a lot of pitching uh, events or actually a pitching competition. So win some and then some, of course, some awards. But this is the, the grandest of them all. We're in. Uh, we win the first time, uh, you know, the grand prize winner you know, for okay. the uh, shell. Wow. And, you know, what are just the key takeaways that you want to share with the other startups who are listening here right now? You've gone through a lot of different judges. You've gone through a lot of competitions. You've learned a lot about pitching styles and what about value propositions. If there are other, you know, there are other startups here right now listening to you or other entrepreneurs listening to you here right now, what were the key things that you picked up 
and that you want to share with other startups, especially tech startups who, who want to who want to move forward, not only win competitions but you know make a difference. Yeah, uh, in terms of in terms of like the uh, key things that I would like to share, uh, one is that you really have to know what is your technology is all about. So you know, you should be able to convey it to your audience. So especially when you're into a competition, you have like three minutes, four minutes, or sometimes five if you would be fortunate, you know, to pitch your entire story there. So it will be segmented on different parts. Uh, one is that what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And then second is that what will be the solution that you're offering? And then, of course, the critical there, what is your value proposition? So what makes you unique, by the way, uh, as you present your startup? And then uh, you will be asked also what would be, say, the, the validation or the market validation that the, the market is actually accepting your product, not just here in the Philippines, or it could be also global. And then third will be, what will be like your go-to, uh, go-to market, and of course, the traction. Because traction will be very important, especially if you're pitching, uh, say, to a competition, because that would give them an idea, especially the judges, that indeed there's a market validation uh, uh, going uh, in your startup. And lastly, of course, uh, there must be a team behind, you know, your product and also the services that you're offer, offering and your, your startup. So the team must be, uh, it should be like a diversified team. In our case, we're just fortunate that we have both the technical as well as, you know, the, the business portion of it. But I, I see that some startups are like a purely technical, some are purely, you know, business. So there must be like a, a, a good synergy of the thing from composition because at the end of the day, even if you win like the competition, so how would your startup progress will be very critical. Uh, that would actually be dependent on the team composition that you have. Yeah, actually, that's what I found difficult because, you know, my, my background, you know, is business. So I can understand business-related startups, right? And yours is really a text. I mean, yours is, that's technology, literally technology. And, and you had to explain it in a way that would make it simple enough at least to be understood by by laymen because you know not not all investors are people who understand the technology but they understand if it's got market potential um how are you able to sort of combine both i mean for me i find it difficult how 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 did you you know how are you able to exp- how are you able to put together business technology and make it make sense for judges in in 3 minutes um as I mentioned earlier, we're just very fortunate that uh, our team has a background. In my case, I'm both actually technical as well as uh, uh, business-oriented. So just to share, I have an engineering background and a science background. So that's my other you know, PhD. But on the other hand, I'm also into business as well as management because I have, you know, a, a double doctorate. That's the reason why <laughs> I can understand, you know, where the judges will be coming from, mm-hmm. especially if like a, a deep tech startup, like, uh, so they will be look at, looking at what would be the total business model that you have. And then, of course, if you try to summarize it, so what will be like the conceptual model of your business? And then, of course, try to pitch it to the judges who are laymen and then translate it to the words that they would really understand. And then, of course, I try to do it again and again to different people. So before I go to a competition, so I try to pitch it like to friends. Okay. And then of course, they will do like say uh, some feedback and then of course I adjust. And also uh, I try to also say uh, go for a pitching event wherein uh, this is not just like competition, but of course just to 
make sure that uh, uh, the, the pitch that I'm trying to say would be understandable to like layman. So uh, that's the key that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. so, so that's why now I understand why uh, you were able to explain it in a very clear way. And in a bit, uh, I'll, I'll ask you to explain also what, what, what nanotronics is all about because I can't actually explain it myself. But this is the interesting thing, guys. If you're listening to me right now over here, no? uh, Dr. Jerome actually is a doctorate in uh, from from Mapua for what it is uh, you have a doctorate in uh, material science and engineering and engineering from Mapua, yes. from Mapua. Mm -hmm. but you also have a doctorate in business administration right yes that's correct uh, this time uh, from De La Salle University yes and then plus you you're, you're still you're a visiting professor from Case Western University is that right yeah I was a visiting professor to Case Western University at that time. Uh, uh, during the time it's actually, we're trying to study uh, advanced polymer because uh, I, I have a material science and engineering background, of course, to go deeper, like similar to a medical degree. So if you want to do like specialization, so you have to go to, you know, the U.S. or developed countries for you to take in more knowledge, do the research, do the actual thing, study, and also actually try to come up with the output and then try to bring it, you know, the, the technology here and then try to have the, the local flavor. Wow. And having said that, okay, now let's step back and we talk about uh, nanotronics. Now, uh, in layman's terms, can you explain uh, what is nanotronics? What do you guys do over here in nanotronics and how does it help out? Okay, so I'll try to explain it in layman's terms uh, as simple as I could. So in nanotronics, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to uh, look at the natural resources of the Philippines. So when we say indigenous plants, so we're looking at what is available uh, out there or out here in, here in the Philippines. So we look at different regions. We try to source what would be like the best uh, biopeed stock or what would be the raw materials that we can use. We're trying to avoid three. The reason why uh, it is not really sustainable, but some company would say it's renewable, but I would say it is not because if we cut down trees and therefore it would take like 10 to 20 years for it to grow, then therefore we have to choose another alternative because cutting down trees, as you know, would create also carbon emission because if you cut down trees, no one would absorb, you know, the carbon emission out there. So uh, when we have already like the, the plants or say the, the raw materials that uh, we're targeting, we're trying to ensure that it would be like uh, there's uh, enough uh, supply over there in the market or here in the Philippines such that when we scale up, then therefore there would be like uh, sufficient in terms of the, the raw materials that would sustain the business. And then we translate this uh, uh, raw material into like a nanomaterial. When you say nanomaterial, it's a, a very, very small. So if you're aware of like small and then micro, so that's one times 10 to the negative six. When you say nano, it's one times 10 to the negative nine already. So wow. nanotechnology, it's like you're talking of any dimension uh, less than 100 nanometers in terms of the uh, the, the dimension, so either the length, the width, or any of the dimension of the material. So we translate it into that. So we have our own process to make that technology. And then once it is already at that form, then therefore uh, it would be uh, very viable for us to make it as an input material right now to many different, say, uh, existing materials. So for instance, what we're trying to solve right now is that we're trying to replace a synthetic polymer. Uh, we call it plastic today. So most of the plastic, as you know, is coming from uh, the fossil or oil base, being oil based, and therefore we know for a fact that this is really non-renewable. At mm -hmm. the same time, uh, it's non-biodegradable. So it's the, the cost of the 
pollution that we're having right now. But uh, since that is the problem, then therefore uh, we're trying to replace it uh, one at a time because today, RJ, there's really not, uh, there's not uh, 100% solution that uh, can be offered, but uh, we have half of the solution. So we try to integrate it to existing plastic so that we increase the, the bio-base. So when you say bio-base, it's coming from the, the, the plants and, of course, trying to reduce the, the oil-based content. And uh, if we can actually improve the existing, the bioplastic, the biodegradable one. So uh, it, it is our way to integrate it because existing bioplastic today, uh, it is not really robust. So you, you've seen the plastic in the supermarket where mm-hmm. they yeah. it, it's bioplastic. So the problem there is that when you buy one kilo, for instance, of like meat or even rice, sometimes it's not robust, it's actually get punctured. So tendencies that you try to, Increase the number of layers, so, uh, so you, you buy more basically buy more plastic, right? Yeah, to, so, to, so okay. yeah, oh. so they put it like two plastics or three oh. plastics together. Then they, it creates a lot of pollution. So for me, uh, it's really not a good thing because I would create at the end of the day a, a lot more waste. By the way, for, coming from my side, so imagine the population of the Philippines over 110 million. So how many plastics would be out there? So in our case, if you would add our material to that bioplastic. It would strengthen, you know, the, the bioplastic a lot. So instead of like looking at a two or three uh, ply uh, together, so it increases like a two or three ply, but on a single sheet plastic. So that's what it does. So I'm reducing right now uh, the the number of plastic that w- would be used at, at the same time would be wasted. And the the bioplastic or the biodegradable material is just one of the many things that we can actually use for our material. Uh, uh, one of our nanomaterial, it's our, the, the product that we produce, it, it has like antiviral or antimicrobial uh, property. So oh, wow. soon uh, we will be using it like for uh, an application. So it could be like for coating such that at the end of the day, it can also help, you know, not just the, the environment, but also some uh, medical application. felt like you needed to take your life to the next level? If yes, then go ahead and check out my podcast called Small Talk with Alec Cuenca. Allow me to share with you wisdom by ancient philosophers and modern thinkers partnered with practical science-driven advice. All of that and more only here on Podcast Network Asia. What I'm curious to find out is that how did you come across this sort of pain point? Did you first look at, okay, I want to create sustainable materials. So, or I, I mean, I want to create sustainable material for nanotechnology. Or did you look at saying, I want to be able to preserve the forests? Or you were saying, uh, the problem was that we've got a lot of indigenous plants which weren't being used. I mean, because you got all these things uh, going percolating in your head. What became your main, your the problem that you first want to solve? And how did it iterate to becoming what Nanotronic is doing right now, which is basically developing nanotechnology based on uh, indigenous plants? Yeah, that's a very good question, RJ. Actually, uh, when we started, so I was still taking my uh, um, graduate study in material science and engineering. Uh, my professor actually asked me, uh, we have a lot of like uh, resources here in the Philippines. And of course, uh, we would like to make use of that. So for instance, uh, that natural resources, if not used property, uh, properly, we just end up like a tea bag. So we know for a fact that tea bag is a very low value material. So he asked me, Jerome, can you think of something 
on how can we elevate, by the way, this material or this plant to be like this material for it to be from low value to high value. So mm -hmm. that was the initial thinking. And then when we went to the U.S. Uh, to do our visiting uh, our researcher stint or visiting scientist stint, uh, we've learned uh, nanotechnology. And of course, uh, thinking back or looking back, so I still have on my head on how to integrate the nanotechnology at the same time, the indigenous plants that we have. Now, having learned it, and then of course, uh, already like trying to develop the idea or the product, and then, of course, we try to, you know, uh, when you do research, you try to look at uh, the, the, the literature, meaning you try to look at the industry, what's the current problem, and then you look at also what are the emerging trends in the market. So far, I was uh, very fascinated with, like, the, the biomaterials. When you say biomaterials, again, you're using, like, plants uh, to develop uh, the alternative solution for plastic. And then, of course... Uh, when you try to look at that and then piece all the things together, then that's where, by the way, our nanomaterial has been conceptualized. So the, the only thing uh, we need to do is that once we have the product and then once we have already produced the product, uh, can we say that it will actually say uh, answer all the questions that we have? And fortunately enough that, uh, you know, we got the solution. So uh, from there, we, we tried to offer it uh, initially, you know, uh, uh, in the market. So uh, we tried to apply for a grant from the, the Department of Science and Technology because uh, uh, as a scientist, uh, the, the first thing that uh, uh, we can think of is actually try to look for funding. And, yeah. uh, and I have a question. Uh, if you tell me a step back, a step back a bit more. Okay. So the ahead. great thing, I mean, the, 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 the one I want to really focus on is the thinking process, which is really great because that's really how, I mean, you can be a scientist, but that doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you can think of great ideas like that one, but um, it doesn't proceed from there, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, exactly. most scientists, they're just, they're just doing uh, research for research's sake. When did you think that, you know, they say innovation is something that comes about because there's a you have to commercialize uh, a specific product. How did you make, how did you sort of bridge that gap when you came across the idea? And, okay, this seems like a good idea. I think it might be commercially viable to, to create this product. How did you, I mean, when, when, did, when did that point come to you? Uh, okay, so uh, with respect to that, actually, uh, uh, just to share, I came from the industry before I actually, you know, uh, did the startup. So I, I was actually working in the semiconductor industry for 15 years. And then, of course, uh, being there for like uh, that time, I've been in different roles and positions, especially uh, in the research and development, a uh, new product introduction, and of course, uh, process engineering. So more or less, I have an idea on what are the existing problems in the industries. And of course, uh, I'm trying to, you know, spe specify it originally or try to, you know, uh, have the solution uh, geared towards semiconductor and electronics because that was my background. Now, when we have already like the product, so I was thinking, uh, what will be the, the problems that I can solve specific to this industry? But of course, as we dig more and more and then talk uh, more and more with potential customer, and then we realize that, of course, uh, there is more to it to the products that we have. So sooner we realize that this is not just good for like uh, electronics coating solution or say, uh, an improvement for the, the current plastic that, that electronics and semiconductor industry are using. We came to realize that can, it can also be used as a composite. So it means a filler to the existing, say, uh, um, 
material being used, say, for automotive or, say, marine or, say, uh, aerospace. Then we, we started talking to, uh, uh, you know, uh, companies like that. Uh, we were fortunate enough, actually, to, to, to be invited by uh, BMW when BMW was here. And then uh, we dig more and then we realized that, you know, uh, our product can go into like automotive, especially for EV or the electric vehicle. And then, uh, uh, yeah, uh, as we go along and then, of course, we talk to different people. So because, uh, yes, they have a good solution, but of course, you have to validate it. And part of the validation is that we talk, uh, we go out there, talk to customers. So uh, I pitch our product to different companies. Um, and now I started getting into like the, the plastic industry. So uh, I get to know the kind of problems that they have. Uh, initially, it's all about like cost and of course, like, you know, are trying to, you know, and improve the product quality. But I came to realize that there's more into it. And therefore, I try to research more and, of course, try to improve the product more. So uh, from there, since I have already like the, the, the market validation, and, of course, we're, we're actually fortunate that during our, our first like a year of the setup of the uh, nanomaterial product, uh, we got our first uh, purchase order, which is very fortunate for us. And then, of course, we're very happy with that. And then uh, we got exposure also since we are from the Department of Science and Technology, since we are the, the first grantee of their startup uh, fund. So we, we got exposure. So the exposure with the National Science and Technology, uh, the different uh, domestic and also the national events uh, give us more flavor on the different products uh, coming from the, the market. So from there, uh, you know, uh, we we now position like nanotronics that uh, these are the things that we can do. And of course, these are the things or the solutions that we can offer to the market. So uh, that was our, you know, our strategy on that. Was it difficult for you initially? Because I'm just looking at the background, right? No, I mean, uh, for people like me, I, I've come really from an entrepreneurial background. Therefore, you know, you, you kind of just, you know, pain point, you try to figure out how to solve the problem. Pero sa, sa naman, as, as a scientist, no, really coming from that engineering uh, and, and, and background, how is that for you also the process of becoming you know, an entrepreneur? Because it's not, I don't find it to be easy. Because you're like, for me, you're like Iron Man, right? Iron Man is scientist, businessman, right? But then how is that transition for you? Because it's not easy for other people just to say, hey, you know what? This looks like a great idea. Let's pursue it. Uh, other people who are in your, in your field won't necessarily pursue a good idea, even if they see it uh, in front of their faces. What made it different for you? You think? Um, I, I think it's the, the the background and the experience that I have. Since I came from the industry, then therefore I have already like a, a certain problems that I would like to solve if I can solve it. And of course, with the technology available, and of course, you know the the products that we have. Uh, uh, it's a starting point wherein we can offer the technology. But of course, as you mentioned, uh, we need to strategize. So strategizing means. Uh, not just offering the solution. We have to make sure that, of course, the solution would actually work with the different clients or the target markets. And then second is that uh, we need also actually to have like the funding that we have. But before that is that, um, you know, what came uh, uh, to me, you know, to realize going into the entrepreneurship is that uh, when I was actually working, there, there was already a time where in, uh, I, I see myself uh, what should I actually do differently? Because you know, fifteen years in the corporate world, uh, I, I think it's more than enough. Actually, you were you were corporate actually. You were, yeah, yeah. Where, where, I came from corporate. Where did you? If you don't mind me asking, what 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 uh, what companies did you work for when you were okay. in the corporate world? 
Uh, actually, I've worked for like uh, two companies. Uh, so uh, first, it was like Team Pacific when I was very, very young. It was way back mm. in the early 90s. And then uh, I, I stayed a lot and then worked uh, for a very long period of time with Amcor Technology. So Amcor Technology, it's one of the uh, big companies in the semiconductor uh, industries uh, under the semiconductor electronics industry. So mm. I've stayed there for like 15 years, actually. Yeah. Okay. So from there, sort of like you, 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 at least you understood the pain points and the problems of the industry, I guess, no? Yes, that's correct. Uh-huh. And, and then from there, where did you realize that, you know, uh, entrepreneurship was the road where it would take you after doing uh, all this, uh, this work? Uh, mm, uh, uh, the, the, the good thing about, you know, being in the, the corporation is that uh, uh, I've been uh, fortunate to be like in, in different positions. So having in different positions, uh, the, the last one, it's like supporting sales. So I realized if, if sales would be like the lifeline of the business and therefore I, I should be in this kind of business. But if I am working right now as an employee, you know, of a corporation, then therefore uh, it would have like a, a limitation or ceiling for me to grow. And I think of, so I'm trying to envision myself, uh, I would like to get out of the, the corporate ladder and, of course, uh, become an entrepreneur. But, of course, that's not easy because uh, I need to have my preparation. So the early preparation that uh, I took on uh, before is that uh, I started with a graduate degree in the in business. So I have my MBA. Ah, okay. And then so also talaga, my degree. So you to become an entrepreneur by, by, through education, through education first. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. And actually, I studied a lot of, uh, you know, courses and entrepreneurship because I was thinking that what makes an entrepreneur tick? So I would like to know that secret before even I go to venture because for me, uh, uh, having the plan and then, of course, having the necessary skills to do the business would be quite essential for me, you know, to go to the entrepreneurship world. Uh, I see, I see. Now, when, when you did your first venture, I want to go back, Deba, when, when you first developed. So you knew, okay, I could use this for nanotechnology. Um, what was the, I mean, you've got to sell the concept to people and make them want to, to buy the product. Uh, and you need the money to actually produce that one. Oftentimes in, in entrepreneurship or, or in the startup product, we call it bootstrapping, right? Where you use your own money. But I guess in your case, it was a different thing because you can't just use your own money because this involves a lot of technology uh, just to be able to produce the product. How are you how are you able to get the 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 working capital to start off the business? Um, thanks for that question. Actually, uh, when I have already an idea to do the startup, so uh, as you know, a typical entrepreneur would do it. So I invited like families and then friends, you know, to to invest because I have to do the bootstrap and then have you know the company registered and then have it going. And then uh, from there, so I have the initial, say, uh, angel investments coming from friends and families. And then uh, we work on developing the product. So we're fortunate enough that uh, we were given the opportunity, you know, to develop this uh, uh, new technology. In fact, it's nanotechnology is one of the emerging or disruptive technologies out there for the industry 4.0. So when we develop and then we have already like the final product, you know, in mind, then therefore we needed like uh, more capital for that. So. Uh, it, it's a good thing that there was an opportunity coming from the government, especially from the Department of Science and Technology, wherein we can pitch our idea. And then, of course, uh, they actually evaluated it. So it's like uh, 60 uh, startups uh, did the uh, proposal. And, of course, 15 were awarded uh, to have the startup grant. So we're, we're fortunate to be one of the 15. Uh, and when we, we came from different backgrounds, uh, so 
Uh, some are from EduTech, some from FinTech, some uh, AI company, which is uh, some of the companies you're familiar with right now out there. And in our case, uh, we're pretty unique because we're the only one into the nanotechnology. So being in this uh, kind of product, it's really hard to sell because not everyone is really familiar. So that's where I get my first taste in terms of uh, the difficulty or the challenge. So uh, even, uh, you know, trying to pitch with the Department of Science and Technology, I'm having like hard time, by the way, to, to pitch it to them because wow. they know more or less the, the concept, but they really have uh, no idea on uh, the specific product that I'm trying to produce. And then what will be that the impact of that product when it is already like available here in the Philippines and then how would it be used by the industry? So uh, true enough, so I've got the process. So uh, I, I did the pitch, waited uh, like one year and then of course, uh, fortunately we're granted. You waited, you waited then, for one year? One yeah, year we you waited, waited for one year. So the grant. How, how much is the grant, the, by the way? How much is the grant, Suppose if you don't mind me asking? Uh, the grant is like a 100k or more or less like a 5 million uh, pesos, so to speak. Okay, so what did you do in between the time that the grant came and, and you were waiting you were waiting for the results of the pitch? Were you also still working or were you doing academic work? Were you doing, what were you doing at the time? Uh, we, we just came back in 2017 when the time that we are actually, you know, pitching it to the Department of Science and Technology. So there are like outputs being as of us. So when I, I say us, it's, it, is, it is because it is not only I, it's also my wife uh, who came with me as a visiting, uh, visiting scientist in the, the U.S. She's also the co-founder of Nanotronics. So mm-hmm. they're expecting us to uh, write uh, the journal because uh, what the one of the outputs needed is for us to produce like uh, journals, by the way. So uh, one person, one journal, uh, ISI Scopus Index. So it means that uh, we have to really do our best to publish in such a notable level of uh, science journal. So we, we did that. Uh, on the same time, I was also actually teaching uh, in, in the management, so background. So I was teaching then at TLSU at the same time at UAP. So while I'm waiting, and then part time, I do like uh, training and consulting uh, to like uh, multinational companies. Since I came from the semiconductor, so I do like technical and quality management training. By the way, on the side, while waiting uh, for the, the grant to to set in or to come in. Hi there, my name is Laika Maravilla. Has anyone ever called you a try hard? Is trying hard a bad thing or a good thing? Let's talk about that in the Trying Hard with Laika Maravilla podcast, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. And then, so when when that, when that grant finally came to you, so that meant that okay, I, okay, I've got I've got money, I've got the 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 five million pesos to start doing it. What what did you have to do? Did you have to? Uh, did you have to go to uh, how, how did you get produced? How did you produce the first set of products for proof of concept, yeah, okay, or for so, minimum or for minimum viable product MVP? If you if you look at it in a from a startup standpoint, okay. So uh, in our case, when we have already did the initial finding, so um, for for the reference of everyone, uh, once you do like a, a grant, say a finding, say application, it's a very thorough process wherein. You have to really put there the budget that you need. So there are like specific items uh, that you need to buy and execute. Uh, there is a timeline, so there will be like a roadmap. So you have to be really good uh, in terms of project management. 
And of course, uh, there will be deliverables at the end of the day. So speaking of that, so we, uh, when we have already the budget, we start the procurement process. And then uh, we have like difficulty in terms of like procuring the needed, uh, say, uh, equipment that would support us for us to come up with a minimum viable product. Because most of the stuff that we're using right now is actually came from uh, three continents, so from U.S., from Germany, from Japan. And most of the equipment is actually not even available here. So mm-hmm. we tried sourcing it from the Philippines, but no luck. But of course, fortunate enough with the background, you know, uh, from uh, our visiting researchers team and also the background from the industry, uh, we're, uh, we're fortunate, uh, you know, to source up um, all those equipment and then bring it here in the Philippines. Since I came from the semiconductor industry and I was uh, like a process, you know, uh, engineer way back then. So uh, we set up the, the equipment here. So we did a buy-off such that uh, the quality level of the equipment would be there as we expect it before we even run. And then, of course, once we have already everything set up. So our setup, by the way, our uh, pilot facility, it's located at De La Salle Laguna. So they have the science and technology complex. So uh, when we have the setup, and then, of course, we try to produce the product. So uh, initially, since we are trying to, um, we have already like scale up our, say, process uh, for the minimum viable product. So when we were in the U.S., we, we started with like the lab scale, but here in the, the setup, we have like times 20x. So it's like already like, uh, mass production on a mm-hmm. different level. So, uh, initially we're having hard time, but of course, uh, we did the fine adjustment. So we did the necessary processes and also adjustment. And then true enough, we have our own, you know, minimum viable product. So, um, during that time, it's very like, say, uh, very, very challenging because, uh, one, uh, we have to produce it. Uh, we only have like given one year for us to execute the minimum viable product and also come up with a customer who will be buying the cost of, uh, the, buying the product. And of course, we're pressured by the way, not just the setup, but of course, to have the, the pilot product uh, up and running. So, uh, we started, uh, like, uh, we, we received the funding April. Uh, we started buying like July. So we have to do the sourcing. Uh, so a minimum, it's like we need to have like, uh, three suppliers at the most. And then, of course, try to come up with a different like, quotation before we can even buy a single equipment. So that's the system or that's yeah. the uh, yeah documentation needed. And then once we have the, the equipment and therefore uh, we produce and, of course, we try to reproduce it and then try to uh, compare it with the, the, the product that we actually came out uh, in the U.S. initially. So we're trying to compare the quality and uh, the uh, minimum viable product that we have, the market actually requested for an upgraded version for that. So it's additional pressure for us. So we have like an MTEX and an MTEX TP. So it's like uh, you have the, the regular. So if you try to compare it with gasoline, so you have like a regular and then a premium. And okay. the market is wanting the premium. So the, the minimum viable product that we have in mind and when we propose, it's not actually the, the first, you know, uh, the customer is wanting or actually asking us. So uh, we have to proceed with this. So we have from September up to December to produce uh, the requirement coming from the, the, the customer. Uh, of course, uh, through so, so hard you, work. You, you had already found a customer by that time to get your first yeah. MVP. Uh, how was it yeah. like? Was it a bit? Was it a bit? Um, I, I mean, for me, any, anybody looking for the, going to market the first time, it's a bit stressful going to market to look for your first customer. How is it like when you pitch? Because this is not this is sort of like a B two B sale, right? I mean, you're not going for retail, so you're going for customer. How is that like? When you had to do the first pitch to get that customer, 
to, to come uh, on board? Yeah, uh, for the, the the pitch actually, one it is a kind of like scary, but of course you don't tell that to your customer that <laughs> uh, we don't have that product yet because uh, the, the customer is asking. Uh, we want this product because this would be our application. And of course, uh, coming from the industry or the semiconductor industry, uh, our, our first answer there is yes. And of course, uh, behind the scene, we have to work, you know, uh, to produce uh, from A to B and of course, come up with the quality level or the product requirements of the customer. Uh, it's very stressful. It is because one, we don't have yet a minimum viable product when the, the first uh, order came in. And then we have to like ask and apologize to the customer because there's like delay uh, of the equipment uh, in custom. So the delay actually is not just weeks, it's like months. So wow. we have to commit and then commit. And I, I was telling myself, uh, I, I should like, you know, giving back the money or the PO coming from the customer because it seems like, you know, uh, not possible for us to deliver it, you know, based on their requirement or the timing. But uh, since uh, something I've learned from the industry is that if you talk to the customer well and then you explain your situation and therefore that is something that they can understand if you're just really honest and then, of course, tell them the situation. Then I invited by the request the customer just to, you know, uh, see the, the setup that we have. So just to give him the confidence and then we recommit uh, the, the product to be produced like uh, January, February, March. But, uh, you know, through the, the effort that we have. So. We're doing like 24 by 7 uh, operation. So by December, we're able to produce the first output and shipment to them. And then January, you know, no holidays, by the way. So we didn't spend Christmas during <laughs> the 2018, no New Year. So we keep on, you know, producing the product needed by the customer. So it's really stressful. But at the same time, uh, we were glad that we're able to produce it, you know, uh, and of course deliver it to the customer to their satisfaction. So at the same time, we're glad and also excited that we did that. And, and now, um, so you got your first product out. Um, was the customer happy? What What was the reaction when they first got the product? Was it to their standards? Or did they meet? Did, and how did you feel when when the product first came out to the customer? Uh, we feel, yeah, we're, uh, we're very excited because it's the first time that, you know, we have our very own product and then sold to uh, B2B client. And of course, uh, we deliver it to them. Uh, we didn't trust by the way the courier because we wanted to deliver it personally. And then the, the, the client was so happy because uh, the timeline was actually reduced. So instead of like a split uh, delivery, January, February, March of like 2019, we're able to produce uh Everything by December and January, early January of like uh, 2019. So the customer was happy uh, way back then when we produced it. And of course, we're also happy that we're able to pull in uh, the the comments that we have with our first customer. Because, you know, that's the first customer. So all that we wanted is to have like customer satisfaction at the end of the day. Thanks. That's great. Talking about customer satisfaction, I'm going to take a short break and talk to the people listening to the podcast here right now. Now you can gift happiness to your loved ones this Christmas when you do your gift shopping this December with our good friends from Lazada. Buy more, save more in the Lazada 12, 12 grand Christmas sale. Get to enjoy big discount vouchers and collect free shipping vouchers. Add to cart now and check out on December 12th, 14 using my link in the description. I'll put the link in the description right now. You can use my code PNA1212LAST. Again, that's PNA1212LAST to get 120 pesos off on your, off your first order. Minimum spend of 500 pesos valid on December 12 to 14. So what are you guys waiting for right now? Shop now using the Lazada mobile app. 
and share with your friends on social media with the hashtags, hashtag Lazada1212 and hashtag Lazada Grand Christmas Sale. Again, happy shopping to all of you. Again, thanks everybody for listening to us here right now. Uh, now, getting back uh, to Dr. Jerome. So, Dr. Jerome, uh, moving back, what's what's the current state of the business right now? How, how, are, we, how are you moving this forward? So, after the first customer, how did you bring the others uh, on board? Um, after the first customer, so we're actually, uh, we, we have an opportunity and chance, you know, to, to do like uh, attend conferences and exhibits. So, with that, we get more exposure, uh, exposure. So uh, we we get to meet like uh, potential clients out there. And then, of course, since we have our website also, they're free, by the way, to to contact us. And then some are actually like a word of mouth. So uh, there are like inquiries coming to us, uh, coming from universities, because, you know, uh, we sell also to researchers or scientists uh, in the universities and also like to the science and technology schools, not just uh, university, but also uh, in the, the science high school. And uh, also from the academy. So we, with that exposure, uh, there are a lot of like interest and inquiries. And of course, uh, since we are in the conference, uh, we get to educate by the way the, 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 the community. So, uh, once we have like audience, you know, uh, going to our booth and then we try to, uh, give them an idea on what we're doing, what this is all about. And then of course, uh, what would be the potential, especially if they would be using it. And then since we have like a different uh, uh, markets or different people coming in on different conferences and exhibit, uh, this gives us a traction for us to have like the next customer and to uh, no, no, our, our next succeeding customers as uh, we see it right now. Well, well, this is quite a challenge. I mean, the way that I'm seeing it right now is that it's it's really mano mano. I mean, you're, you're really out there. You really have to go and, and, and really acquire each of these customers uh, one by one. Uh, I, I just have a question. Um, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, we do the same thing. I mean, mine is that, you know, I, I'm fortunate to be able to use, uh, you know, social media to be able to attract customers or, you know, because my, my, my business is food. So it's sort of like a lower hanging fruit. But then in, in your business, you know, this is, this is for me, this is quite a challenge to, to, you know, just to, for conversion of getting one customer. What, what keeps you going? Uh, you know, every day you're, you're out there, you know, you were, you were a, you were a site you, you you know you you're a scientist and you're also an entrepreneur but what what keeps you motivated to keep on keep on doing this one is this did you did you leave everything else and say i'm going to you know put all my eggs into this basket and, and then just just do this one uh, does your family really push you to move forward what, what, tell tell me tell me a bit more about that uh, what keeps me actually going it's actually yeah as you mentioned uh, this is a full time uh, you know thing that uh, we're doing so uh, me and my wife is actually uh, doing 100% of our time here. And then since we have created this and that, of course, uh, we're trying to, uh, you know, uh, not just produce the, the product, but we're trying to also reach communities and have an impact based on our own way to the environment. So we wanted to push this. So uh, every day uh, I have like, you know, set goals. So, of course, uh, uh, through the help of friends, uh, we get referrals. And then, of course, uh, we do like, uh, discussions or a business presentation. A good thing about the pandemic is that before I used to go to the, the company site and then do the presentation per se, you know, and then of course uh, there will be other technical people in management who will be attending uh, to just to listen to our presentation before we in, even have the, the, the pilot project. But nowadays, uh, thanks to like, you know to the technology, so we can do it like a Zoom, uh, Teams, uh, we can do like Google. And then I can present uh, to like uh, different targeted customers, you know, daily. So 
I'm like talking to like two or three customers by the way. So uh, in a week, so uh, I have a lot of things going, and then I track it since uh, I have like a tracker that I have with me so that I can follow up. So that gives me, you know, the the motivation, and I'm actually inspired because this is something that I've been wanting to do since day one. So as most of the entrepreneurs that you know, you, you know, uh, it's really the passion because if this is not your thing, then definitely, you know, I would put my hands up and I would say, uh, this is it. You know, it's very hard and I would quit. But since this is something that I would like to do since I was working in the corporate world and now this is a reality, then I see the fruits of the labor. Though we're not yet 100% there, but I see that there's like a positive progress and therefore, um, you know, every morning uh, I'm lo- always looking forward for the day. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't uh, matter if the day would end like twelve o'clock in the evening. So it doesn't feel like work actually for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's the word. And that, that's exactly how, how many of us entrepreneurs feel about that one. So and this pandemic has actually been sort of like a silver lining for you. You've actually, I guess, increased the number of customers that you can speak to right now because you, you can't do conferences right now or you can't do speaking engagements. So how are you attracting customers to find out more about you right now? Is it do they do they come to the site? Um, what's it like right now, especially in your field? Uh, it's actually a combination. So uh, as what you have mentioned, so uh, there are some customers who are like uh, from the previous engagement that we have, they'll, they'll go to our site uh, through like a word of mouth or recommendation. And then from there, we entertain and then of course schedule our meetings to um, the online or the virtual uh, conferences or meeting. Uh, I also, as I, uh, we have discussed earlier, do pitching event uh, 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 during this pandemic for one reason. It's not to win, but actually to expose ourselves, you know, to to the market and of course uh, educate the market that we exist, our products exist, and then the solutions, by the way, uh, exist. And then this is something that we can offer. So from that, uh, we get also traction, and then of course interest coming from uh, uh, different companies. And then another is that uh, recommendation coming from friends and networks wherein uh, they can recommend us, of course, uh, to that company and then set us uh, like a meeting. And then, of course, initially, the, my friend will be there. And then, of course, the succeeding meeting, uh, it will be us uh, all along until we, we get the, the pilot project going. And then, of course, the customer already buying the product. So that is like, you know, uh, how it is going right now uh, during the pandemic. Hi, this is Jason Law, best-selling author, speaker, and now the host of the Unique Life Podcast, where I discuss the four different types of personalities so that you will know your strengths and weaknesses and that of others. Join me as we try to unbox life and the wonders of your own unique personality, only here in Podcast Network Asia. I'll catch you there. And and Doc Jerome, what I'm really seeing is that you know your your business, unlike others, is extremely, I would say, technology and, and capital intensive. If if I were to understand correctly, and, and that being the case, um, and and you want to really scale this business, uh, what are the choices available for you right now? I mean, for me, it's really getting your venture capitalists investing in the business here right now. So my question is, in in the next couple of years, where do you see you taking your business, and how do you actually plan to? Uh, fund the business to achieve where you want to take it in the next couple of years. 
Yeah, um, that's a good point, RJ. Actually, uh, our, our vision is that we really want to scale it up uh, to you know to the next level of production. Uh, we, what we have right now is just for the initial market offering, and then since we see like a, a lot of tractions coming from the uh, different industries for like uh, different customers, and therefore we need to scale it up such that uh, you know two three years down the road, and therefore we will have something that we can offer to them, especially if the demand sets in. But how to do that? Uh, yes, you're correct. So uh, what we're doing right now is that we're also pitching, uh, not just in competition, but we're talking to like uh, different uh, uh, investors, so VCs and also like uh, angel investor, so that uh, our targeted like, uh, fund that we're looking at right now uh, would be filled in. And then, of course, uh, we would have the funds ready. And then, of course, uh, that will be used primarily to scale up our production. So the good thing about that is that, you know, uh, over this pandemic, I was able to do that. And then of course, talk to uh, not just local VCs, but also like uh, VCs abroad, like in the Southeast Asia. So I was able to get traction and then uh, there are like some commitments and I'm very happy with that. And then of course, uh, the, the, the friends and networks is also very supportive. So uh, they, they endorse us and then also give us some, you know, links and connection for us to be acquainted and also to have like the opportunity to pitch with those uh, people, especially in the investment world. What have you learned from pitching to all of these venture capitalists? I mean, this outside of the competitions, right? So let's really go, you're looking for money. And, and what have you seen as, you know, if there were hacks or, you know, quote unquote success secrets that you've learned or, or lessons that you've gained from speaking to all of them and you can share that with people also with their own startups who, who are looking for investments uh, what are you seeing as as what what people are looking what 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 investors are looking for? Uh, okay, so there are like uh, two learnings that uh, uh, I've seen uh, over the past you know a uh, couple of years uh, talking to like investors. Uh, number one, uh, if you do like a pitch to investors, uh, make sure that of course the the targeted uh, investors that you're looking at would be very familiar with the kind of technology that you have because in our case. So I cannot just talk to like uh, any other investor because there's a certain level of knowledge and confidence also coming from the investor who will be talking to us. And of course, uh, if they know the product well, then therefore it will be easier for me, you know, to do the pitch. And then of course there will be like less discussion in terms of the technical, but more discussion, more on the financial and the, the business side. So mm -hmm. that's one. So uh, nowadays uh, I tend to. Uh, you know, uh, do discussions with those kinds of investors. And, and then secondly is that um, you have, you know, to really simplify the discussion for them because uh, there are times that you would have the opportunity to talk to them, but uh, like most of the investors out there, they will be like very busy. So you have to capture the information as concise as possible and then put it in a pitch deck. So in our case, we have like a different sets of pitch deck. We have one which is like a PDF. We have also uh, a video pitch deck wherein it's as if I'm already talking to them so that it actually gives them uh, a better idea of what we're talking. And then, of course, following up will be very crucial, uh, especially when you're talking to uh, this kind of people because, uh, you know, get, getting the traction, it's one thing. But, of course, closing the deal is the most important of them all. I see. And, and having said that, uh, Dr. Jerome, uh, you know, the, the great thing about where you're coming from is that you were able to gain this sort of perspective because uh, you were in the semicon industry. You saw the gaps that were emerging um, and you turned it into an opportunity. Given your perspective and seeing the different technologies out there, um, what do you see as emerging opportunities 
for up and coming startups or entrepreneurs uh, with regard to the Philippines and, and what, what we can do over here to, to create more business. And, and from your, your your unique perspective, are you seeing anything coming out that that you know if you had the time and you weren't doing nanotronics, you go, oh, I could also pursue these different fields. Mm. Um, right now, as I would uh, see it, uh, there are like uh, many opportunities coming up. So uh, what I can actually suggest and recommend is that uh, people would look at like not just emerging business, <clears throat> but also look at like so what are the disruptive technologies out there. So we're talking of like nanotechnology. Uh, now we can see companies in AI, but not so many of them. Uh, we're talking of fintech, but of course we need to have like more value added on what fintech is all about. So maybe we can add like AR or VR, you know, to fintech and also put AI so that it creates like a value proposition, which is not really available because coming up with just a, a business model is good. But of course coming to have, you know, coming, uh, having like a unique value proposition, which is aligned to the emerging market will be something that will give you not just your short-term, you know, business, but also your sustainable business. So I would suggest that they would try to look at that. So I was trying, you know, uh, looking at like uh, the startup, uh, this uh, coming from Netflix. So I see that they are into like the self-driving car. So it's one of the things, but I wish that we can have that also here in the Philippines. And another thing is like, you know, uh, energy, since uh, that will be like a crucial part uh, later on. And then food and sustainability, that, that's something like uh, entrepreneurs especially would like to venture on, especially here in the Philippines, not just to create value locally, but also worldwide. Well, but I'm looking at it right now. No? What, what's unique is that uh, when you develop your opportunity, it really stemmed from coming of what was present in terms of our resources here as well. Um, if there are things, again, that you could match, uh, what are we what what are we resource-rich with in terms of either intellectual capital or, I guess, even natural resource capital or whatever, or creativity capital that you think we can still leverage in terms of the opportunities which are emerging there as well? What are you seeing coming out over there? If you, uh, if you were to match those things, yeah. Uh, there are, like, emerging technologies out there, but what I can see in the Philippines is that uh, given, you know, the, the right opportunity, uh, we, we have a very short learning curve, and, of course, we can compete globally. So in our case, we're not just competing here in the Philippines, but also we're competing with other, like, tech companies in, in, in the world. We're in, they're doing similar, but, of course, we try to advance ourselves to the next level. So similarly, here in the Philippines, I see a lot of, like, uh, potential in terms of the knowledge base. But, of course, having that in the right direction and then, of course, putting, you know, the... Uh, Harnessing that and, of course, try to uh, develop it more later on, perhaps through some intervention. So meaning uh, either the, the universities would improve uh, their curriculum and, of course, try to infuse uh, the, the new, say, system. And, of course, uh, like the intervention coming from the government would be very, very critical for us, you know, to to do narrow the gap uh, between the opportunities out there. And, of course, uh, we have, say, the, the resource here in terms of the knowledge worker and, of course, try to have that uh, opportunity, you know, linked together such that we can capitalize and leverage later on. Fantastic. And, and you know, as, as we close out today's conversation here in the podcast, uh, we talked earlier on about, you know, what's the potential of nanotronics? And, you know, the, the most basic thing that we're saying is that, you know, we can actually improve the bioplastic uh, for you, but what, you know, bioplastic and, and make it sturdier, right? I mean, that, and that's my understanding. But moving forward, what are the opportunities actually opening up 
for you guys in, in nanotronics? Where do you see the company in the next couple of years? Where will you be expanding to, especially right now that you might be part of the whole uh, shell ecosystem, which I find for me very, very exciting for you. Where, where are you guys going next? Uh, what we're going next is that uh, currently we're focusing, so we have, I said, as a one half of the solution. So what we're doing right now is we're trying to come up with the entire solution. So meaning uh, we will have uh, both the materials available, but of course, trying to leverage what's available here in the Philippines and try to offer it uh, to, you know, uh, the shell uh, ecosystem because there's a lot of opportunities that I can see in the shell ecosystem. Uh, other than that, uh, we see like we can also like develop uh, in the shell ecosystem uh, some other like uh, other products like in terms of the lubricant. Uh, we have like an opportunity uh, over there wherein we can improve the, the bio-based content, but of course also in, improve the, the the lubricant. You know, in terms of the performance such that. Uh, it, it will become like uh, very essential when you use it for your car. So there will be like value for money. Uh, more than that, uh, we are gearing ourselves right now uh, in terms of like uh, the sustainable or advanced material for like the mobility. So when you talk about mobility, that will be like the e-car. So our material can be used for the, the e-car in terms of like uh, being lightweight at the same time sturdy, meaning, uh, you know, uh, when you have an e-car, you want to maximize the, the the, the lifespan or more mileage for the battery. So that's one opportunities that we're looking at. And then of course, there's also an opportunity for us, you know, to get into the uh, lithium ion battery or the secondary wow. battery. Yeah, so uh, there's a great opportunities you know, waiting for us. But of course, uh, we need to focus and then of course, come up with the successive developments with our product so that we can gear it towards that. And of course, at the end of the day, uh, try to uh, maximize the opportunities which is being presented by the market. Well, what a refreshing change of pace to speak to you, Dr. Jerome, because you know what? Uh, many people uh, I've been speaking here with are actually people who come from basically my own background, which are, you know, uh, entrepreneurs coming from sort of like the business field. But it's nice to see uh, a different perspective emerging here right now uh, with regard to how, how we can, we can also approach uh, entrepreneurship from, uh, from our, our own uh, scientific background. Uh, what, what parting words would you like to leave right now with people listening here? Uh, to the podcast with regard to, I guess, entrepreneurship, business, and the opportunities that you see emerging here in the new normal? Okay, so uh, in terms of my uh, uh, parting words, so one is that uh, if you have like a product, you know, or try to make it, you know, as good, not just on the existing one, but try to look at, you know, uh, the next level. So in our case, what we're always doing is that we're trying to look at the existing market and it'll come up with that next two level of the, the market in terms of the, the product development and then try to offer it to the market. So don't be just satisfied on what you have, but of course, keep on uh, developing. And then second is that you have to be very cautious and of course, try to align yourself with the emerging technologies in the market trend. It will be very, very crucial, especially if you want to have a, you know, long sustainability because the current product that you have right now i would tell you from my experience from the industry is that it's only like good for two to three years so you have to keep on evolving otherwise you will be phased out or you will become obsolete so the name of the game really is like a continuous improvement of course you know product development and of course uh, being you know the the first to offer it to the market so timing is also crucial and with that, Dr. Jerome Palaganas, CEO and scientist behind Dynatronics, thanks so much for guesting here on the show. I'm sure many people here uh, learned the newer perspective right now when it comes to technology and entrepreneurship. Again, thanks so much for listening to the RJ Ledesma podcast. We will see you guys again here next week. Thank you so much. Thank you also, RJ, for inviting me.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.